run Rommel's looking like he's got one more good run Zip's a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Everything you need is here under the sun Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. My name is Jeff Fuller. I've been breeding dogs for over 20 years and it is my passion. We love putting best friends in people's homes and selling them that dream. That dream of riding the truck next to you, running around the field on a hunt, or just being a best friend at your house. If you're looking for a high-quality Labrador Retriever puppy, please check our website out as www.soggyacres.com or you can call me at 262-215-9683 or email me sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Remember, whether it's yellow, black, or chocolate, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Here at the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are all about the dogs. As our listeners, we want to thank you all for listening. We want to ask you a favor. Please give us a five-star rating. Give us a thumbs up. Share us with your friends. If you can support us financially, go to Anchor Support and support us there. We are only as strong as our fans and your help that you give us where we are going to spread our love for dogs and dogs in the field. Please share it to your friends and family. Please help us grow. Thank you again so much for listening to us. God bless. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. It is a windy day here in South Central Wisconsin, so you can hear my wind chimes going in the background. A lot of people would probably pay money to have that in the background, a nice calming chime sound going on and on. They would actually add it into their show, and here I provide it to you for free. So I wanted to talk to you about today's show. This is going to start what is going to be a three-month process for learning how I train our gun dogs. So it's going to be a gun dog series where each week we talk about what we're working on with the dogs to get them from holding untrained to dog that's ready for the field. I'm not going to do videos. It's just going to be a, an audio series, but it should help people to understand, I guess, what goes into gun dog training as well as putting them in a position where they can use this process. You may need to do some searches on the internet to find certain processes if I am not describing it vividly enough, but overall it should really help put you in a position so that you have something to use for your dog. The training part of this episode will be on steadiness training, so specific steadiness training drills that you can use. And then the last part will be the hunting tip, which is just going to be titled, Let Your Dog Work. So let's get into it. Again, a thought process you need to have when you look at training your hunting dog is that most people that have no experience think that training is where you get birds, you work with the dog, you throw birds constantly, you get them so they can find birds and you're having them do retrieves. What folks need to understand is that that is actually the dog's natural ability. If you have a dog that does not want to work 
and that does not want to retrieve, you can't force them to do it. Even though there's something called force fetch or trained retrieve, it's really hard to make a dog do something that they have no desire to do. With that said, you have times during your training where dogs will, I guess, fall off the wagon and get to the point where they don't want to retrieve because they're being obstinate and they're using that as trying to have power over you as a trainer. It's a, it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic with dogs where you get to a certain point where they want to basically tell you to go F yourself, but they can't because you have electronics, you have a pinch collar, you have control of them, so they'll just basically look at you and be like, no, I'm not going to work. These are things that we work through in training. This is why we have to make sure we're giving a ton of positive response and not too much negative so that you're not necessarily punishing. You are modifying their behavior so that they're choosing to get the praise. And that is where people really struggle. We have folks that do not give enough praise. Almost 100% of people that are not experienced in training do not give enough praise. And then they also didn't, don't give a an abrupt enough negative response so that the dog looks at that and goes, wow, that sucks. I really want praise. And you modify their behavior so they're choosing praise. So that is why we get where we hear different programs where you don't need trained retrieve, conditioned retrieve, whatever you want to call it, force fetch, where you should not use e-collars or pinch collars because, oh my goodness, that's just terrible for your dog. It's because people don't understand the concept of training. When you are doing your gun dog program, it is like you are building a house. When you build a house, the first thing you do is you build your foundation. I will take you through the next 12 to 13 weeks of training with my group of dogs I have, and I will walk you through exactly how we build that foundation and then take that foundational work and go out in the field and work with them. I am very open with my clients where I explain to them how we do training. I explain to them that I work on sheerly control for four to six weeks so that I have the dogs under control. And then you take them out and you work with them in the field. Some training programs are different. Some will work on what is called yard work or ground work in the morning and then field work in the afternoon. I specifically, in, in my program that I've worked with, and I don't want to call it a program, I guess it's just my style, but in my style, I've looked at it as, why would I want to take a dog that I am working on control on and then take them out in an uncontrolled atmosphere in the field? To me, it, it's working opposite of each other. You're, you're basically working in the morning on something that you're going to be giving a negative response to the dog for and then allowing them to get away with stuff or putting them in a position where they're going to basically slide back and have to get corrected more at some point if you don't just drive them through it. So it's not that, again, it's all negative response. It's that I work on stuff that is controlled just to build that basis of the dog. What is the groundwork, the footings of your, uh, of your house, of your training? And those are your conditioned retrieve, I like to call it because... It's called force fetch. It's called trained retrieve. I look at more, it's a conditioned retrieve. You're conditioning a response. You're conditioning the dog to understand they have to hold something in their mouth. Then we are going to work on our obedience and we are going to work on our e-collar conditioning. So not in that order. I basically, when I get a group of dogs in, it's for three months. What I do the first two days dogs are in, which is over a weekend, all they do is just go outside and hang out.
When you get dogs in for training, they are under an incredible amount of stress because they've gone from being the greatest thing in the world to sleeping in bed, being on the couch to, holy crap, I'm in a kennel and there's all these weird people around me. Dogs, that is. So they're in a position where they have strange dogs all around them and they need to, almost like kids, learn that they're at camp and dogs, they learn as far as where they're at in a pack, they just get used to their surroundings. So the first two days, I don't just throw them right into training. I basically let them chill out. Then the next three days that we've had this week, I put a prong collar on the dogs, also known as a pinch collar. Now, when I get dogs in, it's generally where they are very unruly. They have not been made to walk at heel. They will sit, but they won't stay seated. And they basically want to go self-employed completely. That's very common. That is a young Labrador retriever when you're between six to nine months old or older. They are in the point where they want to do what they want to do. And this is working with them so that you teach them they work with you as a team. So day one, you have a pinch collar on the dogs. Invariably, most of the dogs will very much bolt away from you because they want to just go run around or they want to drag you down the driveway. They end up hitting the end of that collar with the leash. And if you just hold firm, they correct themselves. Yes, it does put a discomfort on them. It does pinch their neck, but you have to understand that in the dog's eyes, they understand, wow, I just bolted and did that to myself. They're smart animals. They're not that smart, but they're smart enough to understand when they're basically kicking their own butt. After about two days of this, where you are letting them basically bounce around and you're trying to keep them calm and you're trying to walk them, by day three, which was yesterday, they walk on lead at heel as long as you're giving them lots of praise. So again, day one and day two, they are creating discomfort for themselves. Talk to the dog. Good dog. You're all right. Good. Sit. Have them sit. Heel. Have them when they're walking at heel. Again, they're kind of like flying a kite. They're all over the place. But when they are where you're at, you have to give them positive. By day three, you're walking with the dog at heel. Good dog. Heel. Good. Heel. Good dog. The dog is doing a great job. They are walking at heel. You are going to sit them. And now you're to the point where if they at all try to get up, you're going to just nudge them with the pinch collar. You don't have to do it hard, but just nudge them a little bit and you're going to tell them, no, sit. Good dog. The big thing here when you're working in the first couple of weeks with a dog that is not highly trained, and that's where they're all going to be, you don't want to overdo praise to the point where the dog gets so excited that they jump up and now you have to correct them. So it's reading dogs. It's putting them in a position where you're reading the dog and seeing how they're responding to your training. They're all different. I think the hardest dog to train is not the quote-unquote hard-headed dog. The hardest dog to train is the soft dog. We have a line of Labrador Retrievers in my kennel, Soggy Acres Retrievers, that would run through a brick wall for you, but they're incredibly soft. So you have to really temper how much negative you use and give them a lot of praise to get them to really drive through and perform in training. The funny thing is all dogs, whether hard-headed or soft, they all end up at the same place after three months if you're doing everything right. 
but it's just you have to use slightly different tactics. If you try to use not enough negative on a dog that is just doesn't get the memo, they're going to own you. At the same time, if you have a dog that's incredibly soft and you try to use too much collar work, whether it's a, it's a prong collar or a knee collar, and not enough praise, you will, you will have the dog fall apart. So again, read your dog, look at them, give them tasks for your training, and enforce those tasks. So by the end of this week, we are going to be walking at heel, we're going to be sitting on command, and we're going to be sitting until I tell them to, to move. I also have them sit before we walk out of the kennel at the door, and I have them sit at the door before we go back into the kennel. Now, this is something that I do just because I think that is proper etiquette for a dog. Not that my own dogs do it half the time for me, but when you're training a dog, you want to make sure that they understand, hey, we don't just barge through a door. So that would be week one. Once you get to the middle of this week also, put an e-collar on them, but don't worry about actually using the e-collar. Don't even worry about turning it on. Just put it on as part of your training so that the dog has it on so that when we get to the middle of next week, we can start using the e-collar. So we've gotten the dogs where they're going to walk at heel this week. We've got them where they are sitting on command, where they are under control. You will see the dog constantly looking up at you. They're constantly looking at you because they understand you're in charge. So don't abuse that. Give them praise. Give them a lot of praise, but don't give them so much praise that they decide that they're going to break and run around where you have to correct them. The other thing I do this week is you have what is your conditioned retrieve table. So when you're going to work on your retrieving the first week, you're going to have them up on a platform. I actually use it for two full weeks. Some people use it for one. You're going to put them on a platform. I have an actual table. It has an eye hook in the ceiling above the table. I use the prong collar on the dog still. And then I have a leash that comes down and it just holds the dog at a comfortable height where the dog is in a position where they can't flail around. You don't want them to flail around and hurt themselves or hurt you or jump off the table. So you have them where they're under control. And again, you've used your pinch collar to have it so that they're under control. Now you have it where they're under control up on the table. The first day you put them up there, do not worry about putting a bumper or anything in the dog's mouth. Just tell them, good dog, good. Get them calm, get them used to being up there. Again, we have to walk before we can run. Have them so that they are up there and then toward the end of the week, you will have a bumper, or if you want, you can use a wooden dowel, or you can use a, oh, there's dumbbell bumpers. I actually have a wooden bone that I use. I put it in their mouth. I just hold it in their mouth and tell them, good dog, hold, good, hold. There's different ways to get the dogs to open their mouth. I actually will slide my finger in with the dog's lip on their teeth so that they don't bite me because they don't want to bite themselves and just put that bone in their mouth. You will have dogs that are trying to spit the bone out. Just hold both the top and bottom of their mouth. Calmly tell them, hold, good, hold. Get them to the point where they understand that it's in their mouth, that they're getting praise, that it's calm and have it so that they understand they have to hold it. We're going to work on this for the rest of the week. And then next week, we're going to start our conditioned retrieve along with our e-collar work. So I hope that helps for week one of the gun dog training program that we use here at Soggy Acres Retrievers. Next up, we're going to talk about working with your dog on steadiness drills. And then again, at the end of the episode, we're going to do our hunting tip, which is just titled, Let the Dog Work. All that and more coming up after this.
Happy holidays from our sponsors at Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. With, with Trupanion's Breeder Support Program, breeders can gift their buyers a special offer of Trupanion policy coverage when they pick up their new puppies. If you're a breeder like me, it's a great way to give you and your buyers peace of mind. To learn more and sign up for Trupanion's free Breeder Support Program, visit trupanion.com breeder and be sure to tell them that Sporting Dog Adventure sent you. For the last 10 years, I've bought all my vehicles from the Boucher Automotive Group in Janesville. If you want to get a great Ram truck or a great Ford truck, my son actually bought a used Chevy truck from them. They have fair prices. They have a knowledgeable, honest staff, and they really stand behind their products. You can go on their websites, frankbouchetchrysler.net or gordyboucherford.com and find out the inventory they have. Again, I know everyone's saying that it's so hard to find a vehicle. We've bought three vehicles this year during a time that, quote unquote, you can't find them. They have what you need and they're a great company to work with. Check out Boucher. They ride with you every mile. Welcome back to the show. Many people struggle with steadiness in the field. I know when I had my TV show, we would be filming from mid-August to sometimes almost March 1st. I never had time to train during that period just because it was so incredibly busy. We had a circus going on where you're trying to film. I had my kids along. You'd have guests along. You'd have camera guys. My dogs would get loose during the season, and we would always have to go back and revisit steadiness training. It is something that... In that atmosphere, I very much struggled with. My dogs are spot on now because I have so much more time to work with the dogs as well as be a handler in the field instead of a TV show host and basically the the king of the carnival. So a good steadiness drill to work on with your dog is to have them go into a dog blind. I like dog blinds that only have one way in so that it's closed in the backside. There aren't many out there. Uh, the one I have, I believe, is front, it was a Cabela's brand one. I just don't like where, where they can run in and out. It's fine if they're hunting, but for training purposes, my blind only lets them in so that I can make sure they're under control and that they can't bolt out the backside. I will have them in there. I'm telling them, sit, good dog, sit, good, sit, good. I'll throw a bumper. The entire time I'm throwing the bumper, I'm giving a good, hard sit, good, sit, good, good dog, giving them praise giving them the command, telling them they have to be in there. I use sit. I use kennel for in a dog blind. Honestly, the way I use sit, it means stay stationary. I don't use a down command because in a dog blind, they automatically will lay down. The other thing you could do is if you're using a kennel or a place command, just repeat the command that's told them to go in there and the command that you use for your stationary command over and over so that the dog does stay in there. Again, Kennel, good dog, kennel, good. Or if it's place, good dog, place. Give the command over and over when they're doing what you want them to do so that you can then reward them with praise. You're going to throw your bumper out. You're going to basically take this drill where they're under control. Once you throw the bumper, you're going to progress over time when you are going to give less uh, commands of telling them to stay stationary in the dog blind and throw the bumper and just wait and then release them with their name. The one thing that I always caution people with is don't do or don't release a dog on a retrieve out of a blind or anywhere else 
on the same cadence because the dog will start to anticipate when you're going to say they can go. So if your dog's name is Tank, that is what you use for your release command. I would throw a bumper. I would count to 10. I would count to 15. I would count to 5. Vary it so that the dog understands that it's not always the ready, set, go where you throw it, it hits the water, you do a two count, you release the dog. You will end up where the dog will continually start to basically jump the snap if you're looking at football uh, type analogies and they're going to break on you and not leave uh, and not be steady to the point when you want them to be released. So that would be a great drill. From there, you can vary the time, you can vary the the uh, object you're throwing. You can use live birds. I will actually in our training use a uh, starter pistol so that they're shooting as well. You can call uh, with duck calls to really amp the dog up, but understand the entire time, keep an eye on the dog so that you can correct them immediately with an e-collar if they break out. So again, this is going to be more of an advanced drill that you're going to use once you're through your e-collar conditioning, but you're going to correct them. And if they do break out of the blind, you're going to have the e-collar on constant and you're going to hold it down and just tell them here, here, here. When the dog turns to come back, tell them to kennel or to place or whatever your command is, get them back into there. I don't have a problem with in training with letting them go and retrieve it, but I would make them sit in there for at least 15 to 30 seconds telling them, good dog, kennel, good dog, place, good dog, sit, whatever your command is for staying in there and then release them. Repeat it again. Once you advance where the dog is bulletproof on something, add more distraction in. You can even get to the point where you are using a winged uh, bird so that the bird is running around out in front of the uh, out in front of the blind and making the dog stay there. Practice how we hunt. Then you also need to handle how you are training once you're in the field. So I hope that helps. We are now going to go to our hunting tip after this message and we are going to talk about letting your dog work out in the field. All that and more coming up after this. I am going to be the first to admit that sometimes kennels are kind of unsightly in the house. My wife for years was telling me how we needed to find something that wasn't just a kennel, but a piece of furniture. She showed me DCT kennels a long time ago, and we finally got with them, and we have partnered with them as a sponsor for Sporting Dog Adventures. DCT kennels is more than a kennel. It's a piece of furniture. It is high-quality, American-made, and something you need as a focal point in your home. For more information, check out dctkennels.com. You will not be disappointed. If you're a serious person about the outdoors, or you love shooting, or you just want a great hobby, or all of the above, you need to check out Mech Outdoors. From their shot shell and metallic reloading to their clay target machines, you will get a quality product that will give you so much more enthusiasm, about your participation in the outdoors, and also a great hobby that you can do with the whole family. Check out mechoutdoors.com for more. Welcome back to the show. This is the last part of our show. It is a hunting tip that we do. Uh, if you haven't listened to our show before, we always have a main topic, then we have a training tip, then we have a hunting tip. So today, 
we are going to talk about letting your dog work. If you would talk to one of my clients that has her dogs here, it is, it's actually quite humorous. They, they always, we make it a fun atmosphere when they're out here training, but I'm also, I always tell people I have zero filter. So I tell my clients, when your dog is out working, you always hear the guys, hunt it up, hunt, hunt it up, hunt it up, hunt it up, that are constantly yelling, hunt it up to their dogs when the dog is indeed hunting. You need, especially when the dog is looking for a down bird or if the dog's doing upland, the dog's going into cattails. If the dog is actually hunting, real easy, simple message. Shut up. Let the dog work. If you are constantly talking to your dog, the dog will look back to you and it can have the opposite effect on the dog that will actually take their perseverance and their drive and they will look for you for help. Too often we get where we're in a hurry because we're hunting and we want to find whatever we are looking for. So we, because there's more birds coming, more common in waterfall um, where the bird is down it's the good part of the day and it's just, I just hurry up, just get, get the bird, get the bird, hurry up. And you're walking out there and you're, when the dog doesn't find something immediately, you're helping them right away. What you end up having then is your dog is going to become dependent on you so that they're going to look for you for help. It is sometimes, in some terms you'll hear is popping where a dog in a lot of this is if you handle a dog too much, where you have a dog that takes cast directional cast you will have where they pop, where they turn around and wait for you to help them. It can also help and happen where you're basically teaching your dog to pop or creating the popping issue where the dog can't find something. So they're automatically just turning around like, hey, come help me with it. So when your dog is out there, if they're hunting, let them hunt. Let them find stuff. That is how they learn. That is why you will see good dogs where they will go into the cover. on a, in, Like in our spot, we have cattails where we hunt you will see a dog from our kennel that uh that i own they will go into the cover and they will stand there for five maybe ten minutes trying to find that bird it is almost to the point where you can't get them to come out because they're like no i'm gonna find it and i i don't know how many times i've had it where i was like you know what screw it i give up call the dog in we'll try to find the bird later you nick the dog with the collar and then the dog still is in there and comes out with the bird you always feel terrible because, you know what, in that heavy cover, you can't see what's going on. But it's because you're not helping the dog too much that they learn that perseverance. They learn that drive that they are going to stay in there and hell or high water, they're going to come out with that bird. So that is our tip for hunting today. I really do want to thank everyone. This gun dog series is going to be a fun thing. Share it with your friends. Again, most training is fairly similar, about 90% are probably the same. There are some different training methods out there. I would, if you're looking at a training method, I would always ask the trainers if they run competitively or have their dogs run competitively. You will see a huge difference in training if a program says that you shouldn't do a conditioned retriever, you shouldn't use e-collars. If they then tell you, well, we do it for the love of the dog, not for ribbons, I'm not saying a ribbon is everything, but your dog should be able to run a competition during a training period. When we send our dogs home, and all I do is young dogs, but when we send them home, they are equipped to go run a started uh, test in the HRC or a junior test in the AKC. So talk to the people about their program. Make sure that the dogs are at that point where they can run those shorter tests. 
because that is what you want. That is the minimum you want once your dog is through a program. And if we can help you, please send your questions, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. I love getting questions. We love answering them on the podcast. We'll love to help you out with anything we can. Please share it with your friends again. Share it with your family. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rating. Uh, You can support us financially at Anchor Support. Please help us spread our love for dogs to our community so we can grow hunting and hunting with dogs in the field. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.